Welcome to the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. Your hosts, Danielle Sullivan, National Director at Curriculum Associates, and Sari Labaris, Social Communications Manager at Curriculum Associates, are here to share actionable tips, best practices, and success stories to improve your classroom and drive student learning. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. This is Danielle. Hey, everyone. It's Sari, and welcome back to the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. We know there's a lot happening right now, and we hope we can provide you with some insights, tips, best practices, and breathing room from the critical work you do. We are here to support teaching and learning wherever it is taking place. And we are super excited to have with us today Elizabeth Dasford, Associate Vice President of Content and Implementation at Curriculum Associates. So welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. Delighted to be here. Uh, if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, just a little background, and then we'll dive in. Great to be together. I love hanging out with uh, educators. I've been doing that for a total of 41 years now, which is kind of mind-boggling for me to uh, do the math. But I have been in literacy education for that entire time, and I still wake up excited every morning to think about what we can do together to get America's kids reading from the very first day of student teaching to now. That's really all I think about. Makes life very simple and it brings a lot of joy. Well, we're excited to talk to you today because we are coming out with something pretty, pretty remarkable that we would love for you to share with our educators. Um, why is magnetic reading remarkable? Oh, what are your I thoughts really, on that? I, I was hoping you were going to ask me, why did we call it magnetic reading? <laughs> Let's start there. Why did we call it magnetic reading? <laughs> well, we called it magnetic reading because it is going to draw all students to the center. I'm just going to let that sit there for a minute. Magnetic reading is going to draw all students to the center where they belong, which is their birthright. and Traditionally, we have children who are left on the periphery. Uh, sometimes it's through home language or sometimes it's through culture, sometimes through other circumstances. Sometimes it's the fact that they are a fourth grade student reading at a first grade level. Um, there are a lot of factors in play, you know, that seven, eight year uh, proficiency range in every classroom, which is just mind boggling that it's been around for almost as long as I have and we haven't been able to nail it. Um, but we will draw all students to the center through some very deliberate instructional design that is innovative and um, going to be very, very successful. So I'm excited to bring it out into the world. Our new baby is coming and she's named Magnetic. And she's <laughs> I think I think all all teachers who teach reading, or even if they don't explicitly teach reading, all teachers are reading teachers, uh, would say that when they present their students with a text or a book or an activity, they they aim to draw all, all kids in, right? But unfortunately that that doesn't always happen because of the circumstances that you just explained. So what are some ways that magnetic aims to do that so all students are are engaged? Well, I'm going to start at the very beginning, just like Julie Andrews would do. <laughs> very and, good place uh, to start. <laughs> yes, indeed. That's the, go ahead, Danielle. I knew you'd jump right in on that. Um, I really need to start by talking about the data and what a wildly exciting time it is to be an educator in general, because we are living in the era of adaptive technology. So, you know, for, for those folks who've come 
come into the era with these marvelous tools in front of them. I just want to vouch for the fact that it has not always been thus. Uh, without the insight of something like iReady, we were figuring out that zone of proximal development all on our own. And that is a long, dark hallway where you're groping on the wall for a little something to hold on to for every child. And the fact that iReady serves up that automated ZPD for every domain in all the subskills, that you have this marvelous, almost paint by numbers. Uh, data every single day is already in an, a huge leap forward. And then when that's the fire under the pot and you know where each student is and where you need to get them to, which really is Vygotsky's dream for us, that that's what the ZPD is. Um, then you can do some marvelous shoulder to shoulder work strategically with students. You can build incredible ecosystem uh, and classroom culture around community where all students are drawn to the center. So if the data is taking care of all of that, uh, very heavy lifting, high specificity, surgical specificity of data, then we get to do things like engage students in deep and sustained and systematic knowledge development. Uh, so for, for most of my career, classroom and otherwise, in, in, in publishing and research and development, basal reading development, we have been focused a lot on skills, predominantly on skills. Now I'm not a betting girl, but I am betting that there is a relationship between the fact that we have been focusing on skill development uh, at the cost of knowledge development. And that is what has gotten us so stuck. And we have not been able to move the needle in NAEP or in any of our other, um, you know, and really just sort of eradicate that population of two years plus below grade level, which is, which is our reigning population. So I think that a um, couple of things happen around the skill development. It's never gonna get us home. I mean, how many times can you do compare and contrast, author's purpose, uh, main idea and detail over and over and over again for the entirety of your school life. At some point, kids are gonna check out and you know what, they have checked out and we can't blame them. Mm -hmm. So knowledge is back and it's vital and it is a crucial lever for authentic engagement. So that's one big thing we're doing in magnetic reading. That is one pull to the center that we're bringing forward in magnetic reading. And I'm very excited about that. Now we've always had coherent text sets. So that's not new, but it is new to deliberately and meticulously build a series of knowledge immersions where kids are going really deep and building schema. So then when they come upon something in the world, they have a a, a thick and robust um, and sturdy schema uh, on which to attach it and make sense and get to comprehension. So that's number one. Now imagine you take that same knowledge development and you load in text that represent the children who are gonna be interfacing with those texts. So now culturally responsive curriculum comes in and we, searched the world far and wide for authentic voices so that kids would see themselves, hear themselves, um, and have authentic understanding of their, their own and other cultures, all based on a, a, a very um, collegial and social cognition classroom where kids are always, again, being drawn into conversations with each other and their more learned other, also known as the teacher, 
uh, to build a thriving class community where there are aware mirrors and windows um, every single day. So I'll stop there in case you have questions before I go on to the next one. Because the next one is really my favorite, I think. I mean, I know I'm excited all the time, but the next <laughs> one really turns me on. <laughs> I mean, I, I just am loving everything that you're saying. I know I've heard this before, but it's just really thinking through the tie to the data and the knowledge building. And that's something that I even struggled with as a teacher. I just, how do we pair access of students to be able to not only access and decode what's on the page, but how do they unlock the knowledge that's there? How do we get them to, to be excited about what's there? Because that's what we're talking about is students that, you know, we want to draw them into the center. But I worked as a former special ed teacher with a lot of kids who shut down and they were shut out of all of the knowledge they could build through the joy of reading. And I felt like I didn't have the tools to help support them in the way that yes. now I see the tools. Like I, they weren't available to me. So I had to connect with them and get them excited through, oh, I don't know. I feel like a lot of tap dancing. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, a lot of yeah. tap dancing. But and and what we just what we just did too. It you're absolutely right that reading conversations almost always devolve into a conversation around problems. So honestly, we've created and then propagated this aura around reading, and we have we all the joy is gone. It's now just a problem. Mm -hmm. How are we going to do this? And how are we going to get this done? And how are we going to read these texts? And how are we going to get them to find text evidence? And how are we going to you know, um, none of this is going to happen unless we have high engagement. And high engagement is just a ed term for um, curiosity and giving oneself over to experience, getting lost in a book or getting lost in an idea, getting completely invigorated by something new. And I always start when I'm with teachers by asking them to think about the first time they read a book where they saw themselves and where it moved them so profoundly. And almost everyone can answer that question, especially in education. Uh, you know, who was the teacher who did that for you? And what was it that did that for you? And I've been amazed over the years that I've been doing this to hear those answers. And it just reminds me over and over again that if you walk into the same room every day and on your desk is a piece of dry Melba toast, uh, you know, after a while, you're just not going to love that Melba toast too much. And then <laughs> you're going to want to be somewhere else. And so kids check out. But so, yeah, it's um, we have to remember that engagement is the heart and soul of drawing students into the center, whether we're using a curriculum to do that or not. But we feel like we're going to assist with some changes and we're going to reinstall some really critical rungs on the ladder to comprehension that we have missed. Through no fault of our own, I want to be very clear about that. Educators are really good soldiers and we do what is asked of us. So whatever the standards are calling for is what we're doing. And we've been through 25 to 30 years of Melba toast. So it's time to bring the butter and the jam back. <laughs> <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> um, so the last, the more we, I was gonna say, the more we talk about Melba toast, the more my mouth is dry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like physically eating the dry piece of toast. That's how uh, it feels like sometimes in all yeah, conversations, to you must be hydrated. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Cause you don't want to teach without joy. Right. I completely agree. So what's the last piece? So the last share piece with us? is 
the fact that we have created two classes of students. And I'm not talking about room numbers on the door. I'm talking about the students who come to us completely ready and prepared for everything that's coming at them. And they get to do it. They get the rigor and the wonder of a beautiful reading experience. They jump right into Charlotte's Web. And some kids get the duck and the bunny book for a long time. And so we are constantly elevating and progressing some children through the system in exactly the way we all dreamed of doing when we signed on for this thing. Because, you know, this is not a job. It's not a profession. It's a calling. Education's a calling. So we all come into it with the, the right reasons. And it's hard. And we're working in systems that are steeped in their own uh, sort of uh, inability to change and progress as fast as they need to. So those two groups of children have a very different school experience. And the simple fact of the matter is, if we don't get our children who need us the most into grade level content, we will never accelerate them forward. We are doing them no kindness, or as Alfred Tatum, Dr. Alfred Tatum out of University of Chicago says, level text leads to level lives. And that is 100% true. And that should be on billboards across the country because nobody's saying you don't need level text. Of course you do. We need multiple texts for multiple purposes. And one of those purposes must be grade level text. So in magnetic reading, we have built in scaffolds. So instead of just leaning on the differentiation side of everything where you differentiate the text and forget to differentiate the instruction, we wanna keep that same text at every grade level that, that if it's a fourth grade kid, it's a fourth grade text, fifth grade kid, fifth grade text. If you're working, uh, towards your proficiency level in those grade levels, we are going to build some scaffolds on that building and bring you in. Um, and that is the plan. So we have gotten very serious about multiple scaffolds in multiple places that are both student facing. So they get to do some of that work independently and grapple and have that productive struggle and build their grit and their stamina and their reading disposition that says, I can do this. It's very hard to get them to do it if they don't think they can. And yet we're signaling to them every day, silently in the air. We really don't think you can. Of course, it's such a self-fulfilling prophecy too. If they see their peers getting the chapter book and they're getting the photocopied, whatever it is. Exactly. What does that signal Duck and bunny book. Yeah. <laughs> they think bunny I'm book. not ready and it's not fair. Every kid deserves the chance. And every kid deserves the chance. Yeah. Every kid deserves to be drawn to the center of grade level work and not just because you know we want to sit around and sing kumbaya because we will not <laughs> accelerate them without it so right. wake up america and find a way to bring all your students to grade level text a few times across the week and watch what it does for you um you know celebrate the and for them bring back and for <laughs> them that's what I'm, yeah. Well, yeah. The, you know, what, what happens for them is our life. That is our right. life. And yes. We invest so much in that, that it's, you know, those compartments get really sort of um, opaque, I guess. 
but yeah, so all of those things are in magnetic and, you know, for a, it, we only care about comprehension. So we're not pulling a truck up to the door, but what we're pulling up to the door is going to transform the classroom. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah there's, there's nothing left to say. It's like, wake up America, here we are. And I think sometimes when you're just so in it day to day and it's the things that have always been done and this is what you learn in grad school and this or that, you yeah. We, and we're not, teachers aren't programmed to ask questions. And a lot of times they don't have the choice of what they're doing anyways. So it, it's so nice to be able to step back and realize how, how important this is and that it's just what's fair and what's right. And I think this will be a big a, a game changer because I, that's I, what all kids deserve. It's true. I, I couldn't agree more. And I do honestly start, I do call and response when I'm, when I'm lucky enough to be in rooms with hundreds of teachers I make them say, repeat after me, it is not our fault because it's not. Mm -hmm. We have reigning pedagogies that have taken us down uh, a side road. Um, and it is time to just wake up and smell the science and do what we know and teach our kids how to decode early and then help our children grow their knowledge. Let's do that whole learning to read, reading to learn thing. Let's honor the the RTI triangle and make sure kids are getting grade level text. Let's build deep and transferable knowledge. I mean, we can do this. This is what we need to do. It's the right thing to do. Um, and it's the proven thing to do. So yeah, let's bring it on. It's about to, about to go. <laughs> yeah. It's about to go. Yeah. And um, so that is all we have time for today. However, where can educators go to find out more about well, magnetic, about what we're doing? We do have a website. We have a series uh, of, of events happening across the next several weeks. You know, there's lots happening. I mean, if you just keep just keep checking out our websites and our social media, uh, we keep everything very, very current there. And uh, yeah, soon we'll be able to do some drive-by drop-offs and y'all can get a little taste and uh, try it out in your classrooms and see how it's working. So super exciting. Yeah, we'll link all of that in the show notes. The website that Elizabeth mentioned um, will put the link to, to register for the um, the virtual event series. And if you can't attend, you'll get the recordings after if you still register. And we'll even put the link to download a sample lesson if you liked what you heard today. So Ooh, thank nice. you. Yeah. It's like a goodie you. bag. <laughs> exactly. <to> the party. <laughs> yeah. So true, but even better than one of those goodie bags, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being here with us today, Elizabeth. We love chatting with you as always. My pleasure. Teach forward, everyone. Never <laughs> go back. Uh, you can follow along on Twitter at Curriculum Soch and on Instagram at my iReady. And please be sure, as always, to tag us in your post too, so we can see the amazing work you do every day. If you have feedback about the podcast, a topic of interest, or want to be a guest, you can email extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. This is about you. We are here for you. So until we meet again, be you, be true, be extraordinary. This podcast is produced by Curriculum Associates and is the copyrighted material and intellectual property of Curriculum Associates.